Don't be scared. This is the podcast that always leaves the light on. This is Monster Under the Bed, the podcast that takes some of the fears and myths in our society and busts them wide open. My name is Alar Tankler. Do you know what a competency is? Gesundheit. <laughs> Mari, do you know what a competency is? No, at this way. <laughs> what is a competency? So a competency is a thing that you know how to do. Ah. But it's not so much knowledge that you have. It's just a way of doing something and you know how to do it. So, for example, if you have a job and you need to speak in public or give a presentation, then you know how to do the job, but you also know how to do a presentation. Excuse me, can I make one note? Yes. Um, I once made a presentation in my class, you know, about my family. So, how old are you? Seven and three quarters. Seven and three quarters years old, and you've already made a presentation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kai, have you made presentations? I've made a lot of them. And this year I learned how to make a PowerPoint, which is in not as exciting as it sounds. What is a PowerPoint, Kai? It's a way of presenting uh, where you can go through different slides and it's a way of showing people how to do something. Cool. Those little kids showed me that I shouldn't be scared of the monster under the bed in education, Allah. They're so smart. Nah, you're just saying that because you're their father. I am a bit biased. Yes, they are my kids. But how did the monster under the bed come up? Because of the older one, I recently confronted something about education that turns out to be a myth and a fear that I had. A monster under the bed. Monster Under the Bed is a podcast from the European Investment Bank, the EU Bank. What we'll be doing here is we're exploring different fears and beliefs that people have which are costing us as a society. So in each episode of the podcast we will fight one imaginary monster under the bed and hopefully win the battle for a more rational way of doing things, be it in spheres of education or healthcare, food or many others. So that you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Monster Under the Bed on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Player FM, or wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know if you can think of a monster we should expose on future episodes. Uh, you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Allar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. Or you can just tag at EIB. I'm Matt. I work with Alar at the European Investment Bank. So, Matt, you saw a monster under the bed because of something that happened in your son's education? Right. He started secondary school, and I saw that the teachers were not really focusing on feeding him knowledge and information the way my teachers did a long time ago. And you were afraid that they weren't teaching him very well? Yeah, I thought they weren't educating him the right way. And like any parent, I was very worried that his entire life was going to be wrecked. Nah, that's the thing about a monster. It's not just a myth. It's something pretty scary, too. Luckily, before I stormed into the headmaster's office to demand that my son should be learning the way I did, 
I looked into it some more and discovered that I was wrong to be worried. The myth about education is based around the idea that you are what you know. It turns out that's not true anymore. Now you are how you know, or to put it more correctly, you are the things you know how to do. Ah, like Mari, who is seven years old. Seven and three quarters. Mari, who is seven and three quarters old, saying that she has already given a presentation. That's right. Here's why this is happening. My grandfather and my father had the same kind of job all their lives. People generally did in those days. I have had to work in more than one career. I thought I had made a career choice. And then along comes the economy and it gave me the message, we don't need whatever you're doing anymore. Ah, I see. You mean that you used to be a journalist, then you were a writer, and now you work for an international institution. It's actually true for me as well. I worked in politics, and then I co-owned a business, and I edited a newspaper, and now I work for an international institution, the European Investment Bank. Right, and this is going to become even more of an element in our children's lives as artificial intelligence develops. So how do you get ready for those changes? Schools in some countries have completely changed the way they teach. The aim is to train children for a future in which technology will make it necessary for us to adapt to big changes throughout our work lives. So today on Monster Under the Bed, forget careers, show me your competencies. Matt, if, if this seemed to you to be a, a, a myth and a fear, uh, a monster under the bed, if you will. School was presumably quite different for you. Well, sure. I went to a school that was built when Charles Dickens was still alive. But we learned everything by rote there. I've been wondering how kids are learning today. I spoke to the education experts here at the European Investment Bank to see if they could tell me. There are pretty big changes that happens in education or changes in how we feel that children and adults need to be educated. Today, workplace requires behavior that are maybe different than the one from that were expected decades ago. Today, we expect uh, children, we expect people who enter the workforce later to be able to work in teams, to be able to be, we require them to be more critical of the information that they receive. We require them to be more adaptable. That's Anna Canato, who heads the Education and Public Research Division at the European Investment Bank. Between 3 and 21, you really need to learn how to learn because that's the competency that you need in the rest of your life to be equipped as someone who can be resilient in the workplace, resilient in society, resilient in their personal life. So one of the challenges for education is to move to obviously keep the intellectual side of it, what you are learning, but to equip children with how they need to learn. Workplace technologies are changing more often than before. So in the workplace, in different, in all different industries, individuals need to be better ready to acquire new behaviors, to acquire new knowledge, to maybe be able to change jobs in their life if they wish. What Anna's telling us is that you never really finish learning. You've got it. Working with Anna, there's an education economist called Nihan Kozolechi. I asked her how schools try to prepare kids for the new work environment that Anna describes. Standard testing, obviously, it has been it has been very heavily used in the in the U.S. first, and people started to suffer from this because it started to 
twist the curriculum more so people started to teach to test and this has uh, some uh, um, some consequences on the outcomes of the education on the outcomes of the education we don't mean only literacy or numeracy skills but also on the creativity on the way to look at life on how we deal with other on how we communicate with other people how we work with other people that are necessarily the skills that we need now or even how we behave in environments how we how we deal with the, all the sustainable development issues how our knowledge of environment is evolving so people but i think there's uh, in the education community there start, started to be a reflection on how education should uh, respond to these uh, to these uh, requirements of the evolving society and evolving world that all sounds great but it might also be a bit scary to people you know you go to school and prepare for a career but you don't know if it's going to last isn't that stressful well on the one hand yes and i'm going to tell you about some ways schools are preparing kids for that but i'm also going to talk about upskilling upskilling that sounds like a town in sweden there is a place in sweden called skilling but it's time we put upskilling on the map too that's right You'll find out soon what upskilling actually is. The other answer to your question is this. There was a study a number of years ago that found Iceland was the happiest place on earth. This wasn't because it was the richest place. It was largely because people changed careers. So in Britain, if I had trained to be a lawyer and then when I was 30 years old I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore, maybe I wanted to open a cafe, my British mother would have said what a waste of your training. Stick with your law career. But in Iceland, they would say, that's great. I'll be sure to come to your cafe for some fermented shark and a glass of schnapps. So people are free to do new things because society approves of it. Right. Maybe these changes that we're seeing now could be good for us. Instead of feeling insecure about career changes, our kids will have been trained to adapt to it. I asked Anna Kanato about this. There are a lot of opportunity for people to feel that they can still change what they do in their life and they can take opportunities also after they have finished their formal education at 21 or 25. One of the words that you used a moment or two ago, um, people talk about you know acquiring skills and knowledge, but you also mentioned competencies. Mm -hmm. First of all, for our listeners, what, what is a competency? And why do young people now need to learn competencies rather than just to learn how to do algebra and things like that? The way I would say that is that there is knowledge, that is, is you learn to do something, and there are competencies, you learning how you learn how to do something. And competencies is ability to do something and can be transferred from one domain of knowledge to the other. If you learn how to speak about something, how to speak in public, then the content can change, but you keep the ability to be able to communicate and to frame what you want to say, and that's a competence. That's fine for our kids, but, but let's say artificial intelligence figures out a way to make podcasts without humans. What about you and me? That's where upskilling comes in. Because the aim of education is not to push everybody to higher and higher levels of education, the European Commission decided some time ago that it aimed for 40% of younger people to go on to higher education. We're almost there, in fact, which is quite impressive. So we're not saying that everyone should get a PhD. No, in fact, it might be a problem for the economy if everyone did. 
What Europe is aiming for is that everyone should have an equal opportunity to get the education they need. And often that might mean learning new skills when you're a bit older. Nihan Kozolechi explained this. I think this is a bit valid for both for higher education, but also for lower levels of education. By saying that we need to have competencies, we don't need to, we need to open a, a master program on how to get the best competencies. But all these things should be actually across the population. And then competencies should be mainstreamed in the curricula, not just, it shouldn't be a, a, just a left out topic from the curricula. So when you teach geography, you have still... Um, a way to, to to teach competencies, to teach teamwork. So it's, it depends on the way that you teach geography or even on the way you teach mathematics. There are a lot of, because a lot of people hate, uh, a lot of kids hate mathematics. Now, now people are thinking how we can actually teach mathematics in a better way so that, you know, people both learn mathematics, but also develop competencies like teamwork, like uh, actually problem solving skills that they could apply then in, real-life situations. So competencies are not something, I, I have a, a PhD in teamwork, it's not this one. It's just I have a PhD in mathematics, but I also know how to work as a team. You mentioned that everyone should have an equal opportunity to get an advanced education. That costs money. So, so what do you do? Do you make education free for everyone? I mean, government budgets are kind of tight. Let me introduce you to Gunnar Mai and Chiara Amadori, They work at the European Investment Fund, which is part of the European Investment Bank Group. What the fund usually does is finance small and medium-sized businesses through intermediary banks. But Gunnar and Chiara run a fairly new program that helps banks lend money to students who want to study in a different European country. The program is called the Erasmus Plus Student Loan Guarantee Facility. And how does that work? If you go to a bank and say you want to borrow money to study abroad, they'll probably ask for a guarantee from your parents. Well, obviously that's not fair, because what if your parents haven't got any money to guarantee you with? Under Erasmus+, Plus, the European Investment Fund says to the bank, make the loan anyway, and if the student can't pay it back, we, the fund, will take almost all the loss. So there is no need for a guarantee from the parents. That's fair. Here's how Gunnar and Chiara explain the ideas behind the program. Today's students, um, they are tomorrow's entrepreneurs. At the same time, I think it even goes back to kindergarten, which is why in many countries you have a discussion whether it should be compulsory to go to the kindergarten simply to get children of, let's say, um, disadvantaged, from disadvantaged uh, families or with a disadvantaged uh, start of life out of the family situation and more into starting to see the broader picture of what is out there, even as a three-year-old uh, child because you have a very high correlation between the educational level of the parents and the kids or youth uh, thereafter. And there's a huge potential we are losing out on. Interestingly enough, a lot of the startups are actually created by rebels, rebels in school, rebels in in university. You need to be taking on the fight. Uh, If you are a conformist, if you are just following what the teacher says, Mm. it's very unlikely that you become a disruptor Mm. uh, of an industry. Maybe indeed what I may want to say, and that comes from personal experience. In Italy, what they teach is that listen to the teacher, they're always right. This is how you're taught. So you're always there, just uh, when you take notes, you take notes on what the teacher is saying and then you learn out of your notes and you repeat the notes because the teacher has the knowledge. 
But ultimately now, in exactly what Gunnar just said in terms of the startup and becoming the disruptor and so on, they are teaching you to have a critical view on things. And I never had that. When it started to work for me, that was a real challenge to learn to think that maybe what I was reading was actually not correct and I should challenge that specific piece of writing. For me, that was completely impossible to think of to start with because I had not been trained in that way. I think it's more about what you need to have to later on potentially become an entrepreneur. So you need to build up self-confidence. You need to be able to form your own view. Um, and this, all this can be done already in the kindergarten by the way you are dealing with the kids and the tasks you give and the way you talk to the kids. The bottom line with Erasmus Plus is to make education part of social inclusion. What's that? Well, in the last few decades, there's been an increasing gap between the rich and everyone else in society. When they talk about making that gap smaller, economists refer to social inclusion. I asked Chiara about this. Under the, for example, the Erasmus Plus Guarantee Facility, what the Commission has thought of doing was to make sure that no collateral is requested of the student, meaning that you do not need a parental guarantee to access this financing. So it's only on yourself and on your, let's say, future development and so on. I think that still we are not uh, totally there in terms of social inclusion because somehow it, was, it is also related to the way you're brought up. So ultimately what you see growing up also influences a bit where you want to go afterwards, so how you want to develop the career you want to have and so on and so forth. So somehow it goes back again to education and maybe to the, uh, let's say, the obligatory education, the one that everybody has to go through, the type of values that we pass, the type of skills that we want to develop and so on. This, of course, will influence how education may become more social inclusive or not going forward. If we don't act on these type of issues, then what should we act upon? I mean, it cannot only be uh, access to finance of SMEs. We need to start, to start earlier. The SMEs come out of the passion and the will of people to develop something. And this type of passion and will you need to foster from uh, early childhood and so on, especially now where we don't really know the type of jobs that will be available in the market in the future, where everybody's asked to change the way they think and the way they approach their job because the job is changing every day. So ultimately, yes, I think it is a duty. Our education experts, Anna and Nihan, also agreed that education is both so important and so expensive that the public sector, government, should be its main financer then we're more likely to have a fair system. We're also more likely to shift the focus of education to the kind of competencies that our kids will need. That's good for them and good for the long-term success of our economy. It sounds like a very smart way to educate everyone. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome, Allah. Another monster under the bed has been slain. Yep, that's right. Now, if we're done here, I'm going to go and listen to a course on how to play better chess. You're upskilling to be a chess master? Mm, no, my kids are learning chess and I have to try to keep up with them. Mm, good luck with that. Just as long as they don't take our jobs as uh, podcasters. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't I tell you about this? Co kids, come in here. Hey, what? wait. What, what are they doing in here? To all our listeners, if you want to keep up with Monster Under the Bed, subscribe to this podcast because we have episodes on climate change, health, food, health food, cybersecurity, pretty much everything that impacts your life. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Player FM, 
and we'll see you back here soon for the next episode of Monster Under the Bed from the European Investment Bank. The EU Bank. <laughs>